So it turns out that you can't just decide to give America a raise. And this is the story of how the Senate parliamentarian had to explain to Bernie Sanders that he's not in charge. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. We are live at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando, Florida. And this story is great because what a blow to the hopes and dreams of the Democrats who wanted a $15 an hour minimum wage and wanted to do so via budget reconciliation. Understand what was said. Understand what was happening. Budget reconciliation is the ability to get something passed without, without having to have a debate. It's about getting a vote by saying we only need 50 plus one and we don't need to discuss it. That's what budget reconciliation does. And what the Democrats wanted to do was say, we'll add this to the COVID relief bill and we'll make it all about the, the budget and we'll add a $15 an hour minimum wage and we will never ever have to discuss a thing with the Republicans or listen to what they say, which is of course what it is they're all about. What they are all about is not having to listen to anybody else and do what they want. Enter the Senate parliamentarian. The Senate parliamentarian, take a picture, Dan. Take, take a picture. Which one is No, the blue one right there. The blue one right there. I, I, look, one of the things at CPAC is you gotta move on the fly. And when Dan Bongino just decides to sit down, <laughs> my you, buddy Tony, you you, you you take it first things first. More than anything, yeah. how's your health? How are you? Yeah, it's, I mean, it hasn't been the greatest month, but um, you know, and nobody's victim or anything. We'll get through it. So I just rang that bell a couple weeks. I wanted a couple weeks of peace, you know. So they found some weird stuff on my lungs, but we'll know by next week. I'm hoping it's nothing. I'm actually hoping this is great that I had coronavirus a few months ago because right? that could explain what the spots are. So I'm, I got an antibody test yesterday. We'll see what happens. I'm like praying that's what it was. Like, that's kind of weird, right? But it's better than the alternative, you know? By the way, you can find everything for Dan at Bongino. B-O-N-G-I-N-O, Bongino. How are you, buddy? .com. How am I? I'm doing all right. I love your appearances on Fox. I always tell you that. You're, you're, you and I share clients. a lot in common. We're like fireballs. Like we just come out shooting. There's no like. There's no warm up act. There's oh, no God, first no. date, right, Sarah? Me and Tony, right out of the gate, flame throwing immediately. You're the, really you're the, you're so good. Do, do you ever take the heat from it? Because me, I've never gotten any heat from anything I've ever done on Fox. Yeah, but never I think once. the good part. Uh, I do sometimes. With guys like you and I have built kind of our own things is I genuinely give zero, you know, yeah. you can fill in the hits, we'll call it, with an S. I just don't care. Like, I'm doing my thing, and if you don't like it, then don't do my thing with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested anymore. And, it, you know, when you get a scare like I had, it really, you know, that's what I'm going to talk about today later in the speech. Like, you really start to prioritize things. And I'm telling you as a brother and as a friend, like, the fight right now is all that matters. Mm -hmm. and it does. I mean, the money and all that other stuff is all BS, man. You bring it up, I'll go in that direction. People asked me as if somehow I knew, and I had no connection to Rush Limbaugh. I never met. I was at an event he was at once where he yeah. spoke. I had never met him. I have never met Post Snurdly. But people ask me, if you've got all that money, why are you still on radio? And the answer is, why would you not? Right. I, there is a part of me that could, if this is what he was thinking, and I don't know, 
could understand that there is a normalcy and there's a, a feeling that you got to get it done to the best of your ability. And here you are talking about, and we had never discussed this. Yeah. We talked before and we reach out. The idea of the fight. But as you describe it, Dan, what is the fight as you describe it, Dan Bongino? I mean, you wake up every morning now and you say to yourself, conservatives like you and I, you say, it's so obvious, this path to prosperity. I mean, real, not, not like virtue signaling campaign sign BS. I mean, like the path to a really fruitful, prosperous, liberty-loving, great country in the future is so simple. Let people spend their own money. Don't spend what you don't have. None of this is rocket science. Let parents pick where their kids go to school. Let people pick their own doctor. And you wake up every morning and you're like, why does this fight even exist? Why do we? And it just goes to show you the power of agitprop and the media stuff that actually have people believing that the alternative to that fight, the big government, totalitarian, authoritarians, that they're the benevolent ones. And the, I, I, you know, like you, I had never met Rush. As a matter of fact, it's the one part is of my. Is that right? Never. It is In the, all your travels? Ne never once. Matter of fact, Kristen, wow. his niece, David's daughter, I had emailed David her. David Limbaugh's a lovely man. David's the best. The whole family's full of like rock star, stud, awesome character people. And I said, Kristen, you know, I know it's a lot to ask. This was a few months ago. I said, but if I could interview Russia, my show, I, and, and, you know, I never followed up because I felt bad even asking. I mean, given I didn't know how grave the situation was. But um, I got to imagine not having met Rush, but listened to him like you for like 20 plus years. That what you said just mattered. Like it, money, it Rush money. Rush could, right. Rush could buy all of Palm Beach. Like Rush didn't need money. For, for Rush, he had to be on the air until the end because like you and I, he's like, how are we not winning this? How are we not winning this? It's so simple. Talking to Dan Bongino, Bongino.com, but Rumble.com, but yeah. Parlor.com. Yeah. So for, for a long time, when you go back to even the concept of Andrew Breitbart, right, and the idea of how you engage some of these things, we have been talking about you must be in the game with the platforms to do it. And you said, oh, okay, I can do that. And you got into the game with yeah. the platforms to do it. They took Parler down. Parler is now working its way back. What are the updates about Parler and Rumble? What are the fights that are ahead of you in these platforms? And are you experiencing pressure from technology providers yeah. to be out of business? Yeah, it's overwhelming. I mean, uh, the whole thing with Parler. I'll tell you, of the top 10 worst moments in my life, and that list has changed a lot over the past few months. Right. Um, but I'm serious, like that night where we found out, because remember, Google had hit us first. Um, Google, it went Google, Apple, and then Amazon. I'll never forget, I mean, the day before, you know, we were popping champagne corks. What's up, Dave? And you got Dave Bossy, like you said. Just you got to roll on the fly and see back. You it's never know who's going to show up. The ringers. Check this guy out. You're looking good, brother. Yeah, you need a hug. I can tell. Good to see you, baby. Good to see you, man. Uh, I'm going to beat up on Dave Bossy later. He it's looks be good, fun. though. He's looking sharp. Well, he's no you. No, well, I, I, I never stopped working out, even through the chemo, which is crazy. It feels you like out through chemo? Brother Tony, I did not skip one workout. My wife bought Hold me on. a sauna for Christmas. I sat in that sauna. I sweat those nasty chemicals out. You smell like a chemical factory, and then I hit that gym every day. I sent you a message. I said, how are you doing? And you said, death warmed over. I, ha I have the message. Yeah, I, I did right? send you that. Death I warmed over. I did. I felt but terrible. But you were, while you're curling down. And I never skipped you're the show. Do you know I did not take one vacation? The day I had the tumor removed out of my neck, we did a show from the hotel room in New York. My wife was like, dude, are you crazy? Take the day off. I got a big 
get stitches in my neck. I remember Fox and Friends sent over like a big flower thing. And I'm, she's like, you're going to do a show? I'm like, hell yeah, we're doing a show. I am not taking a day off. You talk about the fight, right? I didn't need, I don't even think we sold that show. Like, it's all about the fight. Like, that is it. Like, it's all that matters. I'm telling you, everything else is BS. That is all I care about right now. So I, 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 we're going to end up talking more about the technology pieces. And I don't want to leave that conversation yeah, completely. Yeah, no, but no, you, you, you see, you see an old life. friend. Part of CPAC yeah. is seeing some old friends and good people. I want to talk about what the concept of the fight is. One of the questions and conversations going on that I'm asking, is CPAC about getting Trump back in 2024? Or is CPAC about learning the lessons of Trump and getting more people to utilize those lessons? Which matters more? You know, I hate to give you one of those. It's a little bit of both answers, but we have to say to ourselves, who is the best vehicle in this fight to get what we want done, done? In my opinion, because we should never golden calf anyone. I don't care who it is. On that, we agree. I, I love the president. I, I, can, I'm, I mean, I'm not named. I just consider him a friend. He's been very good to me. Um, but I don't golden calf anyone. But having said that, I'm looking at the agenda we had with him. And I'll forget the tweets. He hurt my feelings, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I get all that. I get that some people are bothered by it. I'm not. Look at the record on the judges, on the regulatory form, the pro-life. Why is he the first guy who was the pro-life march? And from the, why is that? Are we crazy? Like, we're conservatives. And then I get people who go, oh, you know, but, you know, years ago he donated to Democrats. Okay, but what he did now matters. Like, are we talking about your report card from first grade? Are we talking about you? Do you want to save babies' lives or not? Like, I'm dead serious. Is that what you're interested in? Or are you interested in his coloring book from fourth grade? My humble opinion, the best vehicle right now for a conservative agenda, pulling in people who understand the message, is Trump as a candidate. That's just, that's my, I know people, and I respect that. I mean, we got rock stars in the party. We got Christy Nome. We got Ron DeSantis. You know, I, I like a lot of what Josh Hawley's doing. I like a lot of what Tom Cotton's doing. All of them have things they do and do and don't do I don't like. But we got a lot of losers too. You know, the Adam Kinzingers of the world who just, this is like triaging your responsibility to your constituents now. This is it. Like, I don't like Donald Trump's speech on the 6th. You know what? A lot of people didn't like it. I go back and change some of it too. That, we're losing the country like right now. And this is what you're wasting your time on? Bro, give me a break, man. Come on. Like, get some horse blinders on and figure it out. So, yeah, I think I think right now he's the best vehicle. And I, I'm in for 2024. I just am. <laughs> that, that is, uh, uh, I, it, that's some power, young man. I mean, you know, do you want to go back to, here's the thing, like, I worked for George W. Bush. Wonderful human being. I mean, really. if you don't know, Dan was a Secret Service agent, protected. Yeah, wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. Nothing, I don't have anything to say about Barack Obama personally either. It's just politics. Uh, negative to say about either one of them. They were both nice guys. But the hard reality is we got Harriet Myers as a Supreme Court nominee at one point. You know, we had another ridiculous level of government spending. And to be fair, it was a lot under Trump, too. And I oh, knocked yes. it on my show. I said, listen, I don't care who's the president. This, but you look at the agenda, and I think when history sees it through clearer eyes, people are going to be like, man, he got that done in four years? Four years. Like, we got three people on the Supreme Court in four years. Pushed through. And outside of the Kavanaugh debacle with the left, really kind of, no, I mean, with Gorsuch and Barrett, it was like, it wasn't even really a news story after a week. Yeah. I mean, that, the tax cuts, I mean, this is serious stuff. The regulatory reform, pro-life, an unabashed defender of the Second Amendment. And, and you know, we're worried about his tweet. I'm not. I don't care. I'm from New York. It doesn't bother me. Uh, every time they would say to me, don't, don't you, can't, doesn't bother you the way he says it? 
I grew up with the way that got said. It didn't even register the first couple of times until people started saying, like, oh, I guess that bothers some people. But you know what? I don't ignore... Me. You know, like, we share a mutual friend, Sarah and I. You're Ben. How? Ben's not a Trump guy. I mean, it's fairly obvious. Like that. But I don't like, I, I didn't like not become friends. I'm still, we still follow each other. So like, Ben's a friend. He just, we have a disagreement about the candidate. And, you know, Ben wrote a book about it. And I, I read that, and the book is actually quite good. I like to understand why people who are, Ben's a conservative. Like, no one's going to question his bona fides. But I like to understand, too, like, without disregarding them, like some do to us, oh, you Trump guys are all idiots. No, maybe you should hear us out first. I like to understand that because clearly, there are some failings there. I mean, we lost suburban voters. We shouldn't have lost. And we should be saying yes. to ourselves, if you're Trump, Trump's people or people who believe in Donald Trump is the best vehicle like me, like what the hell happened there? Because if we don't fix that, we could lose again. And, and we should be reaching out to like the Bens of the world, like, hey, bro, well, how did we lose you? I mean, he's a conservative. I mean, I don't mean to throw, he's not here, but I don't mean to throw his name into it. But, you know, Sarah and I are friends with him both. You, you and I may have a very different view on, on Never Trump, which has got to be one of the most horrific concepts and unconservative concepts. Ridiculous. But we'll save that for another day because people yeah. want to shake your hand and yeah. take their picture. That's Dan hey, Bongino. Brother. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Always good to see you. So Dan Bongino, he's Trump 2024. And so is Mitch McConnell, because we live in a very, very strange world. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669, Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Mitch McConnell said, oh yeah, Trump 2024, I'm cool with that. What happened to Donald Trump being morally and practically responsible for, uh, for what happened at the Capitol? Morally and practically responsible. Yeah, sure. Trump 2024, I'm all in. That's a very, very interesting and peculiar one-two punch. But it goes along to this bigger conversation that you cannot deny the, just, just the power, just the power that the guy has. You can't deny the appeal. You can't deny the successes. The failure of the Democratic Party starts with the inability to get $15 an hour in on budget reconciliation because the Senate parliamentarian has said, no, no, we can't have that. There, you actually can't fit that in. Nancy Pelosi's response, we'll figure out a way. Well, that's pretty incredible. That's, you know, that's something else. If you have Nancy Pelosi saying, yeah, there are rules, but rules are for other people, not us. Mr. Ambassador Grinnell, Kurt Schlichter sends his love. I do his audio books. The ambassador, Richard Grinnell, literally just showed up. Sir, an absolute, we do fist bumps. I don't know what we do. Oh, we shake hands like men do. Holy <laughs> cow, Rick Grinnell. Uh, the ambassador, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I am good. It's fun to be here, huh? It, oh, I think this is joy. the most important CPAC in decades, actually. No, your whole history is, is quite phenomenal, especially your time at the United Nations. How many CPACs have you done? Too many to count. I don't even know. Seriously, uh, way too many to, to count. But, you know, it's always fun when we're in power, right? Right. To come to CPAC. But I think this particular CPAC 
is important for the grassroots people. I mean, when, when you talk to all of our activists that are here, a lot of them are frustrated. A lot of them uh, really are looking for some leadership moments. And I thought Ted Cruz this morning was fantastic. It was one of those moments where people were saying, yeah, you know, this, this cancel culture is, is too much. And I want to mm -hmm. focus on hitting back and using humor like the way that, that Ted did this morning. I think that these are the types of CPACs where we have breakout stars. Now, that's an interesting take, the idea of breakout stars, because it, the big question, of course, is President Trump's going to be speaking on Sunday, 3.45 p.m., Trump 2024. It's all that's getting discussed, and I know that you are a supporter of supporters. Is, and I asked this question of Dan Bongino no more than five minutes ago sitting in that chair. Is what this party needs, or conservative needs, is Donald Trump in 2024? Or do they need the lessons of Donald Trump in other people, breakout stars in 2024? Well, look, I think, uh, if, first of all, it's a very good question, and, and it's an obvious question that we're going to always ask ourselves after losses, right? After we have this time where we have to look inward and say, okay, w what happened? But I think that's kind of to my original point of what I'm hearing from the grassroots is that I'm not sure that people believe that we need to change the message. Mm -hmm. I think people really like the message. I think especially now seeing the Biden administration, they're seeing, okay, we, we were right on America first. We were right on the economy. We yeah. were right on a lot of these issues. Um, there's no question that President Trump is the leader of the party. And when you come to CPAC, you realize it even more. Yes, you do. You don't have any competition at all. There's nobody. I mean, Ted Cruz this morning was, was very clear. Uh, Donald Trump is the head of our party, and he'll decide what he wants to do. I think the question, though, that you're really getting at to the meat of it is, is does President Trump begin to learn the lessons of what happened, how we lost? Because that's what people want to see. I don't know if it's so much about President Trump as it is. What are those lessons? Why did we lose? And how do we fix that? Richard Grinnell, sir, it's a pleasure to have gotten a couple minutes with you. I know you're, we just caught you as you're walking, and yeah. I'm not going to keep you. I'm going to grab a picture with you because I'm just that guy. <laughs> I really appreciate you well, being Well, thank with you. Us. Keep up the good work. You're doing great work. You're part of our, our I'm, turn to. I'm trying my very you best. You really are. And uh, thank you for that voice. Absolutely. I need to do an update on Mr. Potato Head, which is the most perfectly ridiculous thing I've ever said on radio, that I need to do an update on Mr. Potato Head. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. We're here at CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference in Orlando. The story yesterday was that Mr. Potato Head is no longer Mr. Potato Head. It's just, you know, Potato Head. And then I learned that I was saying a potato. And I don't remember ever saying potato growing up. It was potato. Not potato, potato. And I said potato, and someone said to me, well, that's, that's very Midwest of you. So maybe I've arrived. After seven years, I have finally found a way to be fully integrated into my Midwest love. Because we should be clear, it is love. Hasbro puts out a tweet after hearing this story that, of course, uh, they are getting rid of Mr. Potato Head and they're going gender neutral with Potato Head because they're woke. And they say, hold it. 
you can still get, you can still make Mr. Potato Head. We're just calling it Potato Head. I don't think they understand where the conversation is. The conversation is that there's nothing wrong with Mr. Potato Head. There's nothing wrong with the Potato Head being a man. It doesn't have to be gender neutral. Why? It's a potato. You make it what you want. Now, they already had the Mr. Potato Head and the Mrs. Potato Head. No matter what you want to say about gender fluidness, I don't know if they're making a pan potato. That would be a hash brown. What I know is that if you've got the, 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 the Mr. Potato Head and the Mrs. Potato Head, you could do all the things with all the potato heads. Oh, I just There's, got that. What was that, Ari? I, I missed the pan potato. That's funny. That's the best delayed potato joke I have ever told everybody. The best potato delayed response I've ever heard. I had to think about it for a minute. That's funny. Oh, good for you. Good for you, right? So what are we talking about? There's no need to change anything because simply as a toy, you had everything covered. There is nothing you couldn't have done. And what happened to kids being invented? Who said you couldn't paint your potato head? Paint your potato head. Go right ahead, man. You, you want to paint it a rainbow? Paint it a rainbow. I won't eat a rainbow potato, but who am I? It's not my potato head. Silliness abounds. And it abounds when you get involved in this woke cancel insanity. Which brings us to, well, one of the crazier headlines that's out there. I, it, it didn't categorize, it didn't qualify for worst headline of the day. It's the most woke headline of the day. And it's a story out of a group called Queerty, Q-U-E-R-T-Y. Gay camp in Michigan under fire for issuing genitalia, I'm sorry, genital requirements. I see I got it all confused. Gay camp in Michigan under fire for issuing genital requirements. What is the story? I'll gladly tell you. It's called Camp Boomerang. It is a gay men-oriented camp in Michigan. And they are under fire for discrimination, not because uh, they don't allow in someone who's straight, which, you know, I think you could sue for. What, can you have a men's only club? I rest my case. Don't allow in women? Try and, and do that in today's world and see what happens. I think it's fine, by the way. I think women can have clubs, and I think men can have clubs, and I think gay people can have clubs, and I think Jews can have clubs, and I think Christians can have clubs. Have your own club. It's okay. You're not offending me. The club's not for me. That's cool. As long as I can still engage my government and vote, I'm good. The camp doesn't allow transgender men. The camp for gay men does not allow transgender men. Now, never mind what would be a level of confusion out there regarding gender and sexuality and let people try and explain it all to you. Listen to how they say it. Camp Boomerang is a private, membership-only RV park campgrounds that allows only quote-unquote guys. A guy, in the terms of this discussion, is defined as a person... This show has taken a weird turn. Is defined as a person with a penis who presents himself as male and has a state-issued ID that says male. So you have to, you, yeah, the proper equipment, proper presentation, and an ID. 
You don't need an ID to vote for some people, but you need an ID to show up at Camp Boomerang. We understand this statement, unfortunately, it may not make everyone happy, but we feel it needs to be clarified. It is our hope that everyone who visits Camp Boomerang enjoys a comfortable, safe, non-confrontational environment going forward. Being a private membership-only entity allows us the ability to build a like-minded atmosphere. We don't mean for this to come off as a like-it-or-leave-it attitude, but we feel it's necessary for everyone to know exactly what our vision is for Camp Boomerang. Since when does the woke care about your vision? Why would the woke even begin to care about your vision? Your vision doesn't matter. The woke's vision matters. And this is why, as we have discussed, as we have said, eventually... The woke comes for everyone. The woke comes for everyone. You have a gay camp in Michigan, the woke will come for you. And personally, I love it. You figure it out. Why should I be under the gun from your insanity. Now, I haven't even bothered anybody, but of course, I'm one of the people who gets, gets abused. Wait, you might be one of the people who gets abused too. But there are plenty of people who are like, oh yeah, you abuse those people. That's right, they're bigoted. They're terrible, they're awful. Oh wait, now you're abusing me? It must be something to realize you're one of the good and the decent and the kind and, and the caring and the loving, and then all of a sudden realize on the next day, you're the enemy. You see, you were on the inside, but you weren't on the inside inside. You were only on the inside you thought was the inside. But it turns out the inside changes from moment to moment, and the insides move and move and move and move. So you never know if you're on the inside or on the outside, so you always got to be checking what everybody else is saying so you say the things that people are checking. Because if you don't, oh, ho, 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 ho. If you think you're immune because... It's the gay camp. Oh, why would anybody bother me? Why would anybody bother me? I'm just opening up a gay camp. I'm on the good side. Unless, of course, it was a gay camp for conservatives. Could you open a gay conservative camp just for gay conservatives and not let anybody else in? Or would that be considered unwoke? Would it be more unwoke than just the gay camp that won't allow transgender people in? Part of the joy in this conversation is letting other people figure out how they're going to explain their pseudo-morality. For us, we don't have that issue. Because if you want to open up a camp, an RV park for gay men, go ahead. And if you want to open an RV park up for black men, go ahead. And if you want to open up an RV park for whomever, go ahead. I don't know if it's the best business model, but certainly might not be a bad business model for some people. But actual freedom allows one to make decisions just like this. Actual freedom allows people to say, yeah, this is all we do. This is who we cater to. This is the group we cater to. This is what we allow. This is what we don't allow. And that's it. We're not angry with you. You go do your own thing. We're not going to stop you from doing your thing, but we're not going to allow you to stop us from doing our thing. That's what actual freedom does. It's like the idea of the public accommodation. That's where all of this is a part of. Do I think that a private membership RV park has to let me in? No, of course not. I think they should be entitled to do what they want. If we take a look at the local restaurant, 
do they have to serve everybody? If they don't want to serve conservatives, man, they don't have to serve me. They can ask me to leave. I'm going to share that with a lot of people. I'm going to share that with a tremendous number of people. I think it's a terrible business practice. I mean, a miserable business practice. But feel free. The woke don't believe you should be free. The woke believe you should be told what is right. The woke don't believe you should have choices. The woke believe that they will choose for you. And the fact that they will choose differently tomorrow is inconsequential to the choice they made today for you. That world is terrible. And in order to live in that world and figure that world out, you have to be so flexible and so malleable and move, and move the thesis again and again and again. Because everything they do is predicated on one thesis alone. Find the hate. It's critical race theory. Critical race theory is built on the idea that you can find racism in all things. So find it. If you can find racism in all things, it won't take you long to find something that is racist or bigoted or wrong or sexist or what have you. All you have to do is look, decide on the thing, and therefore there's the thing. And in order for the people who always consider themselves in that world to figure out a way out of it, they have to turn themselves into knots. They have to rip themselves apart because their entire ideology falls apart. Falls apart. What they believe is mythology. What they believe is, is, is in the ether. There's no basis to it. There's no theoretical to it. None. None. So enjoy your park. I think you should be open. Understand that the conservative totally thinks that you should be open. Without question and without fail. And I hope you sell out. I hope you make just insane amounts of money. Remember, it's, it's it, the people who don't want you to open, they're the man, man. Us counterculture folk, right on, man. You enjoy your good time. I'm Tony Katz. You know, because of CPAC, I haven't checked the markets today. But they're back to manipulating GameStop. I, who knows where this can go? I... I when I looked at it yesterday, there was a moment that it was at 130. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Feel free uh, to call and Facebook Tony Katz Radio. You can always reach me there. But the market was down 560 yesterday. Today, it's down over 300. I don't know as of yet what accounts for the two-day slide. Yeah, GameStop today, back down to 97. Actually, it was in the 80s for a while. I, I don't know. Could just be an average thing. It's the end of a month. Could be um, a multiplicity of things. But seeing how they're still playing with it, seeing how they're still manipulating it, seeing how they're still trying to see what they can do with the thing. I'm sorry, I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting. I then came across this from Jim Messina, who is the campaign manager for Barack Obama. And Jim Messina 
said the thing that of course he said, that of course you know, that if you have an issue with someone's credentials, the answer is you're a bigot. This is about Neera Tandon. Neera Tandon is President Biden's nominee to run the Office of Management and Budget, OMB. Neera Tandon used to run, was it, the Center for American Policy? It was, it was one of these progressive groups. Uh, really hyper-aggressive, uh, aggressive, progressive group. And she has a series of tweets that would make Donald Trump blush. She goes after Republicans like it's her job. She's also gone after Democrats. It's very hard to think that she would be somebody who is um, focused, who is really uh, playing in that, in that more nonpartisan style based on some of the things that she has said. There's also great opposition to Javier Becerra, the former attorney general, uh, or I should say the attorney general of California, a former congressman who is up to be the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And Ted Cruz has a smackdown of Javier Becerra that is stunning. And Javier Becerra is a, a, a radical leftist. I mean, it, not, not from my words, just from the reality. Just from the reality. So there's opposition. And so what does Jim Messina on MSNBC say? Jim Messina on MSNBC says the reason for this, it's so obvious, is because the three people that Republicans are opposed to Tandon, Becerra, and, and someone called Halland, who I'm not even really sure right now who that is. I haven't, I haven't looked into that. They're all people of color. Isn't that interesting? If that's your connectivity, the, first of all, that's critical race theory, right? That's divide and conquer stuff. Oh, you don't like these people because of the color of their skin. I, I just want to be clear so we all know it, so we can all still be friends. Your skin color is not a shield. It does not make you guilty of anything, and it doesn't make you innocent of anything. Jim Messina, by saying, isn't it interesting that Republicans have issues with these three people? Maybe it's because they're all people of color. Jim Messina took a look at Martin Luther King and took uh, his very weird hands and gave MLK the finger. That's what he did. Content's a character? Nah. We'll go the other way. It helps us win things. Now, I only hope it never helps them win things again. I hope people are disgusted by it. I hope they push back on it aggressively. Isn't it possible that Neera Tandon is just bad? Isn't it possible Senator Cruz pointed out that Javier Becerra has no uh, prior experience in medicine? That he has no prior experience in logistics? Why would you have an HHS secretary who has no experience in the things you need right now in order to develop vaccine and distribute vaccine? That's a legitimately good question that you would ask in a job interview. You would ask the question. Of course you would. It's a rational, rational question. To not be willing to answer it, but just to say, oh, it's a color of skin thing. That's lowest common denominator weakness. That's failure of epic proportion. That's critical race theory. 
Why engage when you can dismiss through statements that, oh, you can't fight back against that. I called you a racist. Maybe Tandon and Becerra aren't good enough. It happens. I've met plenty of white people who aren't good enough. Fired a couple of them. This is Tony Katz today.